0: It grieved him at his heart. There was, there was a day, and we're going to look in Revelation in a few minutes, that Satan, Lucifer, fell from heaven. And in fact, our text tonight in Revelation chapter 9 begins talking about how he fell. When Satan fell from heaven, Lucifer, when he fell from heaven, a third of the angels went with him. Now, I know you listen, you're like, how could that happen in heaven? I'm not here to give you full answers on that. But I will tell you something. I've had someone ask me, well, if that happened in heaven then, what about in the end? Could it happen in heaven again? I don't know if you know this, but in the book of Revelation, there's a new heaven and a new earth. It's not going to happen again. But Satan took a third of the angels with him. And when you look at the phrase in Genesis chapter number 6, you see that phrase the sons of God mentioned there. Really, the one other time that that is mentioned is mentioned in the book of Job, when the sons of God, the angels, came before the Lord, and Lucifer was there too. I don't have all the answers to everything, which I will be the first one to admit that to you. But some of the fallen angels, somehow or another, did very wicked things in these days. And they did stuff that was so wicked that God judged them on the spot. Today there are when we look and we think about in this world we think demons and things they're fallen angels. And I want you to realize it's a real thing. Demons are real. They are fallen angels. Spirits, bad spirits they're real. I'm not making that up tonight. It's a real thing. But there were some angels, fallen angels that were so bad, literally sent them to hell. Look at 2 Peter with me. It talks about this. Chapter number two. And we've looked at this before when I went through Second Peter, and I talked about it. then I'm talking about it again tonight. Look at what it says there in verse number four. It says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. There were some angels, some fallen angels, that literally, that when they sinned, you say, well, didn't they all sin? Yes. But some were so bad that God said, I'm, t- I'm sending you to hell now. That's literally what it's talking about. We could go go now to Jude, and let's see a little more about this. Jude. Here. Look there at are... 6. It says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, and their first estate was heaven, right? Because angels are ministering spirits of God. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitations, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Now this is what you need to realize. All the fallen angels and Satan Literally, their end is hell. Do you know hell was created for the devil and his angels? Right? And someday they will all be there. That's where they're going to be. But there were some angels, fallen angels, that were so bad, God sent them to judgment right away. Now, I don't know if you remember, but remember when Jesus went to um, the Maniac of Gadara in that area I want you to go to Luke chapter number 8. Look at this passage real quick. But we're going to look at what some of the spirits said to Jesus. Luke chapter number 8. And look with me at verse 26. Luke, verse 26. Are you there yet? Here we go. Verse Twenty-six. And they arrived in the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time, and he wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. This guy's, this guy's out there, right? He's naked, and he's running around the tombs. That's quite, quite, quite the guy right here. And he's filled with devils, it says, demons. Verse 28 says, And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, And with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God, thou son of God most high? I beseech thee, listen to what what the demons say here. The demons say, Torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of him, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and fetters, and break the bands, and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus. Asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, This isn't the man's name. This is, these are the devils in him. Legion. Because many devils were entered into him. And, and listen to what it says here. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the. Don't send us to hell. That's literally what they're ask, telling him here. Because there are angels, that, fallen angels, that have been sent to hell. They're like, don't send us there. They wanted to go into the pigs. And so that was some bad bacon. Not the type of bacon you wanted to eat. That would have been bacon. I was... Skip that. Bacon. Any bacon today, peppered bacon. The bacon, I love bacon. But possessed bacon, no thank you. I'll skip that one and just stay clear of that. But we see that they literally said... Don't send us there. They fear it. And that's their end. That's what's coming. With all of that in mind, so what we realize is that back in Noah's day, there were fallen angels that did something so bad that God literally said, you're done. You're going to your spot now. And they're there. And yet there are still demons and fallen angels roaming the earth today. Satan himself roams the earth today. But there were some that were locked there. And they've been staying there. Revelation chapter 9 is the first time we hear from them again. Go to Revelation chapter number 9. During the tribulation, chapter 9. And if you remember, we finished chapter number um, 8. It said, and I beheld and heard an angel flying, verse 13 there, Through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 there are three woes mentioned there. To the inhabitants of earth, by reason of the other voices of the trumpet, and of the three angels which are yet to sound. We went through last week four trumpets. There are seven trumpets. The seventh trumpet will end up, as we look and go further, the seventh trumpet will unleash what's left during the tribulation time. But as we look here, look at chapter number 9, verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. Now, that word fall is in past, like fall in. John didn't see the star fall right then. This is a past act that's taken place. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit, it was his spot. We look in Revelation chapter 1, who has all the keys to everything? Jesus does, right? He has all the keys. So he gave out this key. Now look at what it says in verse number 2. And he opened the bottomless pit. And I believe the one who opens the bottomless pit here is Satan. And I'll explain that to you in a few minutes. And look at what happens when he opens up the bottomless pit. And there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. Sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Look at verse three. And there came out of the smoke, do you see this here? Locust upon the earth. Now, did literal grasshoppers come out? No, it's symbolism, right? Symbolism again. So look at what it says there. It says, and there came out of the smoke locust upon the earth, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their forehead. So these loaves that come out of the body to only hurt the people that are not saved. It's another great passage as we look right here that when someone is saved, You cannot be possessed by a devil. That's not how it works. When you get saved, the Spirit of God moves inside of you. The great Spirit. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And so you cannot be possessed by a demon as a Christian. Because you have the Spirit of God. There is no greater spirit than the Spirit of God. So we see here, they are to torment the unsaved. And look at verse number 5. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Anybody in the room ever been stricken by a scorpion before? Anybody? I was hoping somebody would have been so we could hear the story behind it. I hear it's really painful. The sting, I hear it's very bad. I haven't experienced it and don't plan to, but, you know. Um, Let's keep on reading. It says, And in those days shall men seek death. They're going to try to die, and look what it says. Men shall not find it. And shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shape of the locusts were like horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were a crown like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. Can you imagine what that sounds like, just thinking about that? And they had tails like in the scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them which is the angel of the bottomless pit whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon and in the Greek tongue Apollyon. One woe is past, and behold there come two woes more hereafter. And the sixth angel sounded and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Ephrates. And the four angels were loosed which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay a third part of men. Now already at this time, a fourth of the population that are on earth are already dead, right? We've already looked at this. So now another third. So over half the population that are still here are going to die through this time. And it talks about an army in verse 16. And the number of the army of the horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand. That's a lot of people. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire and of jasoneth and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions. Now their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was a third of men killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which issued out of their mouths now just thinking out loud it's talking about horses having fire coming out of their mouths do you ever think of like a tank think of a tank and you think of it shooting off a boom you know shooting something off john didn't know what a tank was or you think about a gun and the and when you shoot a gun technically there's a little ignition in there that hits the gunpowder and it explodes and goes out. You can see how that could be playing out with some of this. But anyway, let's keep on going. It says, By these was a third part, verse 18, of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths, and their powers in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails were like the serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues Yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they shouldn't worship devils and idols of gold, silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murderers, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Even after all of this, they won't get right. They will live in their sin, worship their God that does nothing, continue in their sorceries. And we'll talk about that in a little bit tonight, too. It's amazing as Christians what stuff we let go on and that we listen to and watch and sorcery and all that's okay in certain realms, but other times it's not. There's more I'll say about that maybe in a few minutes. But we look at all that chapter, we're like, what in the world is is talking about. I'm glad how many of you, that's how you feel about that? That's how I feel as I study for this. What in the world am I doing preaching through the book of Revelation? Because literally, most of this is symbolism of things that we see before our eyes. But how do you pick and choose what is symbolism and what's not? That's a tough question to ask right there. But for a little bit of time tonight, we're going to look at the fifth and the sixth trumpet. I'm going to try to make a little sense of it for us tonight as we look at this passage. Let's have a word of prayer we'll dive in. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your love for us. Thank you for being the God that you are. And I pray that you just bless and work in our lives tonight. In all reality, I'm thankful that I have you. It makes all the difference. You make all the difference, and I thank you for that. Bless the time as we look at this passage. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we look at this passage tonight, there's a guy by the name of uh, Wilbur M. Smith. He was a doctor, and he said, it is probable that a part of from the exact identification in Babylon, in Revelation 17 and 18, the meaning of the two judgments in this chapter represent the most difficult, major problem in the Revelation. And as we look here, we see these woes. The fifth, tru- the fifth trumpet, verses 1 through 12 here. The sixth trumpet, verse 13 to 21. And then the seventh trumpet we don't even see till chapter number 11. And so as we look here tonight, we're just going to dive right in. This is getting towards the middle to later on in the tribulation time. The tribulation has a seven-year period. This is getting more towards the wrath of God side of things. And so as we look here tonight, let's just go through the outline. The first thing we see, number one, is the army of hell is released. The army of hell is released, verses 1 through 12. We read these verses already. I told you who these who this, what this army is. And I sincerely believe those angels that were cast down to the bottomless pit, to hell, way back when, are finally unleashed one more time on the earth. And you think about the torment that takes place, and uh, when you think of torment, there's lots of, different, lots of different things you can think on. And it talks about the sting of it and all these different things. But you think about, did you read, didn't you read with me a few minutes ago about the maniac of Gadara? He was tormented day and night by the devils. And what he would try and do, what would he try and do? He would try to get away from them, and, he would get, and then they would come back, and they would do even more. He was tormented by the devils that were in him. We see some similarities here. But as we start out this chapter, the first thing that we see letter A is, we see first of all the star mentioned in verse number 1. It says, And I saw a star fall from heaven... Unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And as we look here, well, I want you to understand: John didn't see this star fall; that Satan didn't fall at this time. It's a past event that's taken place. I sincerely believe that the star mentioned here is Satan himself, is what it's talking about. His name before his name was Satan; his name was Lucifer. And literally the name of Lucifer means brightness or morning star. I've had people question me on that about his name. No, Jesus is the bright and morning star. Yes, he is. He is the bright and morning star, right? Lucifer, his name means morning star. And I thought, well, that just doesn't, that mean doesn't make sense. The name Lucifer isn't even in the Hebrew. It's a Latin root word. So if you don't like that word, that gives you even more to think on right there. And if you don't care about Latin, Hebrew, or Greek, because you can't even understand English, just stick with that and you'll be just fine. But don't come to me with your conclusions if you don't know the full story behind it all. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations?' This talks about, and you say, well, when did Satan fall? I don't have the exact time he did. I know this. Wasn't he there in the garden with Adam and Eve? So it happened before that. Say, well, when did it happen before that? I don't know. You can ask the Lord someday, okay? He might give you an answer. I I hear people all the time, when I see the Lord, I'm going to ask him all these questions. You are not. You're going to see him, and you're going to fall before him and worship him, and you won't even care anymore. No, I'll care. Okay, okay, we'll see, we'll see. And uh, we could also look at Ezekiel chapter 28. It gives a more, it completes the picture. It says, moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and, be- and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in the in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the burl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Some people will say that, that Lucifer was in charge of all the music of heaven. There is no Bible verse that says he was in charge of all the music in heaven. It does say right there that he had tabrets and pipes in him. That's where they get that idea from. But to say that he literally was in charge of the music in heaven, you can't say that because you don't know that. Literally, he had musical abilities. So we keep on reading, and it talks more about him. It says, Thou art the anointed cherub that was covered And I have set thee so, thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. And what was that iniquity? That iniquity was, I'm going to be greater than God. It was the pride that entered into Satan. It says, by the multitude of thy merchandise, thou hast filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee. O covered cherub from the midst of the stones of fire, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thy iniquities and by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore, will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, it shall devour thee. And I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. And all they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. Quite a definition for Satan there, isn't it? You know, people picture Satan, this, this guy with red paint all over his face, holding a little pitchfork. Doesn't sound anything like Satan to me. And uh, he literally was beautiful. A great God made him perfect. He literally was a minister to God, just like the other angels. And one day, that it got to his head. Say, so how can it? How can it get to the head of an angel? I thought angels don't have free will. You can ask the Lord about that one too, okay? I'm not going to try and give you a full explanation because in all reality, Satan did do this, okay? And then a third of the angels chose to go with him. That throws out a lot of people's doctrine there on that stuff, doesn't it? But he was beautiful, a minister of God. And then he wanted to be like God. And literally, the mess of everything today all started... When he fell. I sincerely believe that verse number one talks about the fact it's referring back to when Satan fell. Jesus referred back to it in his day and said, when when he falls as lightning in the Son of Man, it's referring back to the day that Satan fell, that Lucifer fell. And you'll notice the fact, and I want you to understand something. We talk about the fact Jesus has the keys to everything because he's the owner and possesses everything but he does hand out keys to people, doesn't he? He does. And uh, he gave the church the keys to the kingdom, didn't he? Satan runs the roost today here on earth. And Satan will unleash these beasts there on earth. We'll talk more about that later on. But we see the star to begin with here, and then letter B, we see the smoke. In verse 2 it talks about the smoke. And it says, And he opened the bottomless pit, You know, who needs scary movies and things like that? you got the book of Revelation. It's got all you need. You don't need any more of that. You need to get enough right there, right through, right here in the book of Revelation. Verse 2 says, And there rose a smoke out of the pit, the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And the smoke there is not the demonic creatures. Literally, we know the creatures come out of the smoke later. But it lets us know that the bottomless pit, it's a place of fire and a place of darkness. I've, a while back, I was witnessing to a man, and he said, I can't wait to go to hell to party with all my buddies. There are no parties that take place in hell. There are no parties. It's a place of torment. A place where no one wants to be. And that rich man said, "Hey, hey, go tell my family. I don't want them here." The smoke. You see, number or letter C. As we continue on, we see the scorpion-like creatures that are mentioned. And as I've already said, now it's interesting to note in Israel and in that area, scorpions are native to that area. And there are some species of scorpions in Israel and in that area that can grow to six inches in length. It's just like you could be in downtown LA with me near the rescue mission, and some of those rats look like they're cats. They're that big, and uh, yeah, they're just they just grow a little bigger out in that area. I saw this thing a couple weeks ago. I'm like, what was that? Oh, that's a rat. I'm like, that's a rat. That's a big rat right there. And uh, but can you? I just think about. You know, you think about a scorpion being 6 inches long? That's that's a big that's a big scorpion right there. And their main weapon is the sting in their tails. And anytime a scorpion is used, there's a few times in the Bible they're actually talked about. The book of Deuteronomy even mentions them. But when they're mentioned, it's a sign of painful judgment coming, and judgment from God that's coming. And these creatures come out From hell, And we see, first of all, they're compared to locusts. And locusts, you think about, you could go back to, remember how last week we were looking at the plagues in Egypt? You could kind of think back there with that. There were also times that, and Israel would be plagued with locusts at times, right? And I want you to understand that these, it's it's symbolic. Because locusts don't have a king over them, and these demons have a king over them. And their king is Satan. That's why I believe that it's referring to him and to his people here. And you'll notice that they cannot mess with those that are saved. It says it there. Those that have the seal of God in their forehead, you can't mess with them. And I mentioned before, why can they not mess with them? Because demons cannot mess with God's children. That's why tonight I want you to understand something here tonight. And even you kids in the room, you kids, I know sometimes we talk about demons and things like that like we are tonight. And people get so scared of all that stuff. And there, I get why people get scared of it. But if you're a child of God, you have nothing to be scared of. Because when God lives inside of you, nothing else can live inside of you. They cannot hurt you. They cannot harm you because the Spirit of God is inside you. And that's why even as we study this stuff, and just a little thought for all of us, do you realize God didn't give us the spirit of fear? He didn't. God gave us the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. God doesn't want you to fear. And you might read this stuff and be like, oh, demons and all this stuff. And this world tries to get you to fear, right? People even pay money to get scared. It's crazy to me. You pay good money so someone can boo! (laughs) You know, scream like a, you know, grown men scream like a girl. You say, pastor, have you ever done that? I'm not going to say maybe. But um, when we talk about this stuff, if you're a child of God tonight, there is no need to be fearful. You have the Spirit of God and He seals you and keeps you safe from this stuff. But I will warn you as a Christian tonight, and I don't have time to get all, we're in Revelation, we're not even on this other stuff. Demons cannot possess you. But the stuff you open yourself up to, they can oppress you. They can weigh you down. You know a lot of the addictions that people have? Well, Let's use pornography for a second. It is demonic in nature, and what happens is you open, and that's where you gotta be very careful. I read a book years ago, a Christian book that really helped me in this. It talks about not opening the door to unclean spirits. I read it in college. The guy that was the the chancellor of college then a great book, and that's why it's so important, parents. You be careful what you let your kids do, because you might think this is a simple thing; it's not going to do much. You open the door. And the oppression comes. Drug addicts, where, did, where do most of them start? Marijuana. Oh, it's natural. It's all okay. It's where it begins. And then it's never good enough. And the oppression and the addiction grows. Most men and even ladies today that are addicted to pornography accidentally stumbled upon it in grade school, it's the truth. That's why. That's why parents. Just a little side note here. and I don't even know why I'm getting off on this night, but I am. A side note: You better know what your kids do on the. Uh, today with the internet. You know, when I was a kid with the internet, literally it was that dial-up, and everyone in the house could hear the modem hooking in. And, you know, and so you knew. And my parents even, we had, this was, the, this was the internet company we used, Mayberry USA. It literally blocked anything bad from coming up. But literally today, we get, it's back in the day to get a hold of a lot of bad things, you'd have to go into certain stores and buy things or do this or that. Today it's all accessible right here. And then we just tell our kids, here you go, you need this. No kid needs a cell phone. And you have rocks in your head if you trust your child. You shouldn't trust yourself. How would you like tonight if we were to grab your phone and look at your browsing history? Say, I would be embarrassed. Well, do you know the God of heaven already saw what you've done? And a lot of times we open the door to unclean spirits into our lives because of what we let in. And that's why we got to be so careful. And, and this is the thing. I'm not, I'm not against teenagers and young people having a cell phone. I think you got to train them. how. We, you don't realize how powerful this is and what they can get in their lives that will mess them up and a struggle they will have the rest of their life. Once you open the door to something, you will always have a struggle with it the rest of your life. You say, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I know that. And with God, you have power to get past all those things. But it still can rear its ugly head at any given moment. And it's because we open the door to things that we should never do. So as a child of God, you don't have to fear a demon coming inside of you. But they can weigh you down by what you let in. That's why a child of God should be very careful what they do. And we live in a day and age where you don't hear much preaching like that anymore because most people won't preach anymore. But it doesn't make mean it's not true and it's not right. We need preaching like that today. With that being said, and I've totally lost my place in my notes now. That wasn't—you can look at my notes. None of that was here. That was all extra tonight. And so I'll say it was free because we don't take an offering on Wednesday night, So That was free for you tonight. And um, but we look at these—we look at these demons, and we see the fact that literally for five months they are to torment. But it's interesting to note they don't—they don't kill anybody. And no one can die because of them. But literally, they torment. And not only do they torment, it's five months in time we see the fact that this is God letting things be. You want you didn't want me? Here you go. We see, number one tonight, the army of hell is released. And then number two, and lastly tonight, we see the angels at the river released. Now this is interesting as you look here. Now, the Euphrates River, you'll notice what it says there. You'll look, and it says there in verse 13, "...and the six angels sounded and heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which hath the trumpet, Loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now, when we look at the river Euphrates, it's always had a notable spot in history. It flows. The Garden of Eden, the river Euphrates, there's there's things there. And um, at the end of time, it's going to be important. Did you know that Babylon was on the river Euphrates? And so these four angels, now this is the thing you say, so if we were to go deep, if we were to go into the river, the phrase river tonight, are you saying there's four angels hidden down there, and they're kind of all bundled up, and one day they're just going to be released from there? Not quite like that, but probably something, there's something similar to it. But you say, well, what is the point here? These four angels are there, and as we look here, they're let loose, they're prepared for an hour, and a month, and a year. What is the whole goal of this? To slay a third part of human life. That's literally what they're there for. Say, so why would God do that? If God's such a loving God, because he's given people chance after chance after chance after chance. And yet we see here they still don't repent. "Well, so what if someone were to repent here? Aren't there people that get saved during the tribulation time? Yes. But these people won't. They will not repent. And as we look at this, these four angels, they're prepared for this day, and as this happens, what we'll see after this, over half the world's population is dead. And then you still got the Battle of Armageddon to come later on, which we'll get to in a few, well, in a while. But you'll notice something that once these angels are released, they're at the Euphrates River and things you'll notice that they bring with them, look at that number, two hundred thousand thousand soldiers. How many is that? 200 million soldiers. That's what that number is. That's a lot, right? That's a lot of people. A whole lot of people. And uh, when we, how many people, let's think of America today. How many people live in America today? Anybody know? Roundabout, I don't need the exact number. Anybody have a clue? How many people are in the world today? Over 8 billion, right? 8 billion something. How many people live in America today? Abby, you know? 1 billion. I think I personally, if you, California has 40 million, right? Close to 40 million, dwindling down every day. They just keep moving away and they keep building all this new housing and stuff. But the gas prices go up and people move the other way to get away from it. I think in America, I would say about 350 million somewhere would be a rough, rough estimate, rough guess. So think about over about two-thirds of America, that is the size of this army. And you say, well, where in the world does this army come from? How does this happen? Well, it's interesting to note that in the Bible, it talks about the fact that... Um, you know, where exactly, where does this army come from? It could come from China. Russia is probably where this army comes from. And you say, well, why Russia? There's a lot more I could say on it, but you'll see next week that we'll talk even more about it. And you'll notice that um, that, something that's interesting about this is that, and do you know what I'm doing right now? I'm combining next week's message with this week's erase that thought that I just gave you. Store what I just said about the army from Russia for next week. That's my problem when I'm studying two weeks at a time, especially through this book here. This is like, this is a Wednesday night, and this is heavy stuff. Do you realize that? This is not like light stuff. This is like, and when I do heavy stuff, my brain, have you seen that emoji where the head just goes, yeah, that one? That's my brain now. My brain is mush by this time tonight, and it's there. But, um, if we look back and look at this army this army here this is not this is still demonic forces at work sorry I should, have re, I should have I was getting carried into next week's which I should have just stayed where I was but this is so this is not the same the locusts that came out of the bottomless pit because they were given five months and in that five months they literally were. they couldn't kill anybody this is a new army. And when we read about this army mentioned here, you'll notice that literally they have weapons, fire, brimstone, smoke, are their chief cheap weapons. They have serpent-like tails. And there is no other army described in the book of Revelation like this army that is mentioned here. And literally what I believe, and and you'll see next week when we get into chapter number 10, You'll see where I was going, and that's, I just can't believe I was getting into chapter 10 and not sticking where I was. But literally, I, I'm pretty sure in my mind that all of the armies that are mentioned in chapter number 9 are all demonic in power. Being the locusts that come out of the bottomless pit and the army that the four angels in the Euphrates let loose. You see that it says the fact that their power was in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of men which were not killed by these plagues. You see, it mentions plagues. And and when we look at these things, it's just amazing to me that through all of this, why wouldn't you turn to God at this point? You've tried to kill yourself with all these, you have all these demons tormenting you, and you've tried to, you can't kill yourself. You have nowhere else to turn. Don't you think at some point you'd be like, God, I'm going to turn to you? Yet they don't. Look at the last two verses of the chapter. It says, The rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands. They should not worship devils, the idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see, nor hear, nor walk. Neither repented they of the murderers, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. You know, the book of Romans talks about how the goodness of God leads to repentance. You know how it talks about that in chapter number two? Even after all this, they won't turn to God. We see the fact that literally there's widespread idolatry. The crimes taking place. The word sorceries right there is where the word pharmacia comes from. The root word for pharmacists or pharmaceuticals, it means having to do with drugs. When it comes to the works of the flesh and witchcraft, it's the same word used for sorceries as is used for witchcraft in Galatians chapter number 5. And it's interesting to note, it seems like that in those days and during that time, they're going to be turning to witchcraft and to drugs to try and ease their minds of everything that's taking place. Does our world kind of do that today? Say, Pastor, are you against people taking? I'm not against. You do what your doctor tells you to do. I'm not a doctor. I'm I'm a pastor. I'm not a doctor. You do what God tells you to do, and you pray to Him and be wise on what you take, but I would be careful with all that stuff. But we see that these people literally. It's just crazy when we look at this. You say, well, how is all this going to happen? I don't have a great answer but this is what I know the Bible says it so I believe it faith is the evidence or the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen I believe it's going to happen because the Bible says so and you say well where does all this fit in these horsemen I believe this is right after the midpoint of the tribulation and you'll see with the trumpet 6 and trumpet 7 leading further on down the line the book of Revelation is a tricky one Because you cannot take it line for line and put an order to everything. Because I believe verse 1 was talking about when Satan fell. Then we're looking at future events as well. And so I might have confused you a little bit about the army, but next week we'll look at the Russian army, okay? That's next week. And we'll look at Ezekiel so you can tie the Russian army to it. Say, is there an army coming? Yeah, there's going to be an army that comes from Russia around to come to Jerusalem. That's what we'll look at next week there in chapter number 10. So, anyways, answers from tonight? Sorry, that's just the way it goes sometimes. But, literally, to think how bad it's going to be and all these demons that are being, that literally were chained up and going to be released, thank God for Jesus, right? Aren't you thankful for Jesus? But, one of the things I want you to remember as we talk about all this stuff, is the fact, do you see how bad it's going to be and that do you realize that's not even all the judgment that's coming? How would you like to be tormented by these demons all this time and not be able to and then after you finally get out of this life, you're trying to end your life to get away from all the torment, and then you're going to stand before God, the great white throne judgment, and be cast into the lake of fire. Jesus went through hell and torment and everything on the cross so that we don't have to why it makes no sense to me that people wouldn't want Jesus after all that he's done. And for all eternity there will be many people that spend eternity in the lake of fire paying their own debt that will never be paid when there was one sacrifice made for all that paid it all so that you and I could be free forever. Thank God for it. And I would encourage you to tell someone about Jesus this week. The best thing you can do and church, we should be doing it, and you should actively be telling people about Jesus. When's the last time you told someone about Jesus? Tell people. Let them know the good news of Jesus Christ. You can tell them about these demons that are going to come out of hell that your pastor talked about. And say, so you, you don't want that. You can have Jesus. Jesus is much better than that. And people need Jesus today. Father, thank you for the we've had this evening, and thank you for your love for us.